You know, the advent of the internet has changed many things. Lots of things. I'm going to have to make Ellen sit in the back. She's always giving these looks. It just throws me off my train of thought. It just has changed many, many, many things. You know, there's a phenomenon that used to happen all the time, especially in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It doesn't happen as, as much anymore. Um, misheard lyrics. You know, now you can just Google it find out what they mean. You know, like a church example of that is, I always wondered, how do I get to Andy's garden? Because, you know, in the garden it says, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. And so, I always wondered how I got to his garden. But, misheard lyrics are, will change everything. The way we hear a song, or what we think a song says, affects us in various ways. There are some songs that I know at least my wife um, didn't listen to when I met her because she thought they said dirty lyrics. Um, they weren't dirty lyrics. She was mishearing them. But we mishear lyrics and, we, and it changes the entire meaning of things. And the way we hear other songs affects us in all sorts of ways. We're fixing to play kind of a little game. We've got a video I'm going to play in a second. And we're going to look at some of these misheard lyrics. We're going to have some music in church today that we've probably never heard in church before. And we're probably never going to hear a church again, unless you come to my office at some point. But that's what's up. Uh, but for years, people, uh, you know, thought rock and roll was all the devil's music. But that might have been because they really thought Queen and other uh, bands like them were promoting animal abuse. Go ahead and play the video for me. hungry, honestly. Um, I had no idea why Celine Dion was so enamored with hot dogs back in the day. Uh, but she was so enamored she, she sung about it. So. Oh, son. Oh. And sometimes music resonates, 
because it speaks to the problems you have in life. People can be a pain, um, and, and Led Zeppelin tells us that in one of their songs about how painful people can be. We have lots of those in our lives, right? Now. But finally, sometimes songs give us great directions, but um, if you mishear the directions, are the directions really that good? Uh, we have to ask Creedence. says that it actually doesn't. Uh, this week we are starting a new series entitled Say What? Does the Bible really say that? <laughs> this may be the most controversial series that I've ever preached, not because of radical teachings, but because some misheard beliefs run really, really deep. Um, and this morning we're going to kick off this series with one of the most well-known false teachings of scripture that God won't give me more than I can handle. We've all heard it, right? We've probably all said it at some point. We've all said, oh, well, you know, God won't give you any more than you can handle. He won't, he won't do anything. He must think that you are a strong person. God knows what he's doing. And every time I hear one of those, I'm like, say what? What? Do we really believe that? Because I know where we get it from. We all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And there in 1 Corinthians 10, we have this passage that we believe says that sometimes. And there in 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 11, it says, Now these things happened to them as examples. And they were written as a warning to us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape so that you were able to bear it. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time. Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in your Son, Jesus, and for His sake and all God's people said. Amen. I don't know how many times in my life I've heard that phrase. God won't give you more than you can handle. And I was going through some rough stuff. You know, dad's in the nursing home. Mom's got cancer. I'm raising a 16-year-old sister. Things can't get any worse until I got cancer. Okay, God. Everybody's telling me you won't give me more than I can handle. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? But the truth is, when we read this, the Bible doesn't promise God will not give us more than we can handle. That's not what that first passage says. He never says that. He says something about temptation. He talks about what's going on here. This is a passage about temptations, about sins, about the escape hatch. This, this passage does tell us that everybody's tempted. That everybody's tempted. That everybody goes through this. That it's not a sin to be tempted because temptation is common. That does tell us that. And it does tell us that temptation doesn't have to win. It does tell us, I'm trying not to have two sermons this morning. This is a good passage, but it doesn't say what it is. Anyway. 
It does tell us temptation doesn't have to win because God will give us a way to overcome temptation. It does tell us those things. But it doesn't say that God won't give me more than I can handle. That's a dangerous teaching and a dangerous belief. And it's dangerous really for two reasons. First, this is dangerous to believe because it gives us too much credit. When we say it, we say, God won't give you more than you can handle. Who am I that you are mindful of? Joe said, I'm but a word. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can quote scripture all day long about the state of man and who man is. When we begin to say that the Bible says God won't give you more than you can handle, that is a very dangerous teaching because it puts man in a place that man does not need to be. It puts the individual somewhere he doesn't need to be. God won't give you more than you can handle. It speaks to how strong you are. And there's this pridefulness that can come. You can become prideful toward that person who couldn't handle what you handled. Well, I don't know why he got addicted to alcohol. We were all out drinking in high school, and I'm not that way. I could overcome it. I must be stronger than these. I don't know why he didn't return that money he got in the parking lot. I returned it when I found it. I must be stronger than these. We find ourselves becoming prideful, become ourselves uh, speaking against it. But also, it's about us. The nature of the gospel message isn't about what we can do. The gospel's never been about what we can do. And the problem is, when we begin talking like the gospel's about what we can do, guess what happens? We water down the gospel. I can't do anything to get saved and go to heaven. I can accept Jesus, but that's as far as it can go because Jesus paid it all. He did all of it. And so when we say that God won't give us more than I can handle, that means I'm putting a lot of faith in me. And that shouldn't happen. But it's also dangerous to believe because it sets up God for failure in our eyes. God won't give me more than won't give you more than you can handle. What about that person who had enough and they took their life? Did God give them more than they could handle? If he did, then he's a failure, right? Because we just said the Bible says that he can't, that he doesn't. When we get to that point where we're walking away from church and we're walking away from our faith and we're walking away from people because God has given us so much we believe, we find ourselves setting God up for failure. When we say that this verse says God won't give you more than I can handle, we say, okay, God, I'm testing you. Because when I was sitting there looking at Dad having to help Mom Dealing with a sister who was very rebellious at 16. You think 16-year-olds are rebellious? Add freshly divorced parents, a dad laying in a nursing home, and a mom who's sick. And then on top of that, for me to come down with a form of cancer. And I was like, God, what is this? Was God failing me? Because I knew I couldn't handle it anymore. But the truth is, when we read Scripture as a whole, remember last week we talked about needing to read Scripture as a whole. When we read Scripture as a whole, the Bible actually shows that God will give us more than we can handle. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to, again, the same group of believers. The same people. He's writing them a letter. 
And he says in verse 8, For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves. Paul, the same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a couple of letters later is writing to the same people and said, we were overwhelmed beyond anything we can bear. He wasn't exaggerating. Have you read the book of Acts? The things that Paul went through? He was stoned and left at the city gates for dead. He was bitten by a stake and shook it off. He was in a shipwreck. He went through all of these trials and all of these tribulations and all of these things. He was not exaggerating when he said we were overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed to the point of death. He went through all of those things. So we know that, that Paul isn't going to contradict himself. He's not going to say in 1 Corinthians, well, God won't give you more than you can bear. And then come back two letters later and say, well, He gave me more than I can bear. That's not something Paul usually does. He usually doesn't do that. He's not going to do that. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. We're looking at what's being said here, and we know that Paul was overwhelmed. But did you know that not only Paul, but Jesus says he was overwhelmed? Matthew verse 20, chapter 26, verse 38, Jesus is taking his disciples with him out up into the garden. And he says to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay with me. If Jesus can feel overwhelmed to the point of death, what makes you think that God's going to look at you and say, Well, I just can't let them have more than they need. That's not the way it works. The Bible tells us when we look at these passages that we will get more than we can handle. I don't know if somebody may say, Brother Troy, that's, that's depressing. I don't want to hear that. Two weeks ago, you told me that, that the theme of the church is come and die. And now you're telling me God's just going to lock me down and it doesn't matter what's going to go on. What am I supposed to do with that? But there's hope. Because right here, Paul says in the next verse there, in, in, in 2 Corinthians, the next thing he says, if I can get to it we were personally had a destiny within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. God gives us more than we can handle or may give us more than we can handle so we can fully rely on Him. It's dangerous to rely on me to do what God wants me to do. Because there are times when I get up, I don't want to get up. You know, I love you guys. But this morning, my alarm went off, and I turned it off. <laughs> I stayed in bed for a little while. And I laid there thinking, oh, man, God, that wasn't a long enough night. I need a little bit more. I'm going to stay here. And God said, it's Sunday. And I was like, God, I need a little bit longer. I mean, you know. Make the sun stand still like you did for Joshua. Because I need a little bit more time. And then it was almost like, you know, a monster truck route. He was like, Troy, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay. I'll get up, God. 
and I'll get ready and I'll do the things that you want me to do because sometimes we get up and in our strength we don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Go Noodle is very popular with the kids right now, right? Because the school uses it. There is one that we used to do when I was little too, the cheerleaders did. I, how does it go? It's the choo-choo train. Want to come do it for me, Shallow? No. <laughs> you can't. Oh, that's what it says. But no, it's peanut butter. Is it peanut butter? butter? Peanut butter in a cup. We sing this cheer to pump you up. Bang, bang, choo-choo train. Come on, Ellen, do your thing. <laughs> and Ellen's supposed to go, I can't. Why not? I just can't. Why not? My back aches, my belt's too tight, my hips shake from the left to the right. That's, that's it. You ever feel like that whenever God wants you to do something like God, I can't. Moses did in Exodus 3, right? God said, go, and Moses said, I can't. Moses, go, I just can't. Why? Well, I don't speak. I'm not a good guy. I shouldn't be doing this, all right? That's kind of how it went. And the truth of the matter is, God gives us more than we can handle so we don't rely on ourselves. So we go to Him. Also in 2 Corinthians, he makes this statement because Paul, on top of everything else, has his thorn in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, he said he had pleaded with the Lord three times to take it from him, but he didn't. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I'm weak. God, I can't do this. I can't handle these things. I can't walk this road. I can't do this. I, 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 know, I know your Bible tells me that, but I, I can't. And then when you read the Bible, it's not what the Bible is saying at all. He also says there in 2 Corinthians 4 that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You may be sitting here today flustered now, because this sermon has torn out your theological underpinnings. You may be in the midst of a part of your life that is just completely overwhelming and you don't know when it's going to stop. And now, when you are clinging to the promise that God doesn't give you more than he, that you, you can handle, you're going, great, now I can't even hold on to that. What am I supposed to do, Brother Troy? This isn't a very hopeful message. Don't despair. We're not done. The Bible doesn't promise that He'll give us that won't give us more than we can handle. What it does promise is that He won't give us give you more than He can handle. Whoa! There's where the power is. There's where the freedom lies. It promises us there in His Scripture that God will carry us through. That whenever we come to trials and when we come to temptations and when we come to burdens, we can't handle it on our own. We can't do this, but God can handle it. He won't give us any more than He can handle. And guess what? The Bible assures us that God can handle anything. Time and again, the Bible assures us of that. In Genesis 18, 14, there with Abraham and Sarah, they're talking about the pregnancy. And Sarah laughs. Abraham's kind of going, oh, oh. 
99 years old. She's 89 years old. Is anything impossible with God? That's, that's the reply. That's what God says. Is anything impossible with the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Matthew 19, 26, we're talking about the, the, the rich man entering the kingdom of heaven and, and, and <laughs> the disciples are, are blown away because he says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of an eagle than it is for the rich man to get into heaven. Oh my gosh, who's going to heaven then, Jesus? He said, with man, these things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. In Luke 137, you have a little girl about 15 years old. 16 years old. She's betrothed to a man. And an angel comes and says, Sweetie, you're going to have a baby. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Not possible. I don't care how gleaming your clothes are. That's not going to happen. How would that even happen? With Lord, nothing is impossible. Nothing. We're promised time and again, that God can do anything. Surely the God who created the world with His voice. Can you imagine that? I'm hoping when I get to heaven that God like has an outlook and I can go and look at everything. Because God said, let there be light. There's light. Let there be land. There's land. Oh, man. Let there be animals. Let there be a giraffe. What? A giraffe. Let there be a rhinoceros. Let there be a duck-billed platypus. God who created the world with His voice, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who filled the multitudes, who caused the sun to stand still for Joshua. Surely that God can handle whatever problem you have. Man. No, the Bible doesn't promise us that God's not going to give us more than we can handle. But it promises that God's not going to give us more than He can handle. And that promise makes me feel so much better than what I can handle. Because I know me. How often do we bang our head against the wall going through hard times because instead of saying, God, open this door, we say, well, I'll... I'll pull myself up on my bootstraps and carry on. I prayed this morning and thank God before we started for the privilege we have coming here because we have this freedom. And I am so thankful for the freedom. And I am so thankful that I live in the United States because I do believe it's the greatest country in the world. But sometimes I think our mentality is fried when it comes to relying on God because we're told to rely on ourselves. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Help yourself. Get out there and do it. And God says, call upon me. People have a hard time 
accepting salvation because it's free. Ain't nothing in this world free. Right? But guess what? Salvation is free for me. Because Jesus paid the price. Carrie and I received a gift the other day and we decided it was the first day of school. We decided we were going to take the kids to Dairy Queen to get ice cream. And we were in the drive-thru. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is, this is a good use of this money. I probably should use it for something else, but I want to I spoil the kids. And we pulled up, and we're sitting there, and he gives us our blizzards. And I'm going, trying to hand her this bill. And uh, she looks at me, and I was like, well, I've got to pay. I mean, I've got the bill, and I've got the change, too, because, you know, the whole change situation right now. But and I'm trying to hand it to her. And she goes, oh, no, the car in front of you bought your ice cream. We got free ice cream. But it wasn't free. Somebody else paid for it. But people have a hard time with salvation being free. We have a hard time giving gifts. You ever, we, we get in this vicious cycle. Oh, they got me a gift. I need to make sure I get them a gift to pay them back for the gift they got me. Well, not to trade, but a gift. When we start worrying about what to get somebody back, it quits being a gift and it starts becoming a trade. And when we do that, did you realize we might take some blessing away from the giver? Because maybe the giver wanted to give that blessing and when we said, okay, we've got to give something back, we took something away from them because now it's no longer just a gift. With salvation, we think there has to be some work what can I do to be saved? That question was asked of Jesus in the Bible. What can I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And he gave all these ideas. And he, and he finally said what? He said, tell all you have and come follow me. Just follow me. That's it. That's it. Just follow me. Why, why is that so hard to question? Why, why do we struggle with following? Maybe this morning you've been struggling. Maybe things have just been piling on top of each other. Over and over and over. I mean, all of us are pretty much over 2020 at this point. I mean, I'm ready for January 1st to get here, and we're going to hindsight will be 2020 at that point, because I'm going to keep on going. It's in the rearview mirror, and we're not going to look back. It's over 2020. The burdens that we've, that we've had to bear, they're overwhelming. But maybe you've had more burdens on top of that. Maybe things have been happening and things that, that, that you've really just been struggling with. Now's the time to say, okay, God, no longer am I going to carry this burden. Now's the time to, to lay your burden down. 
I was told a story one time of a man who was going through a tough time and he had a visit from Jesus. And Jesus brought him to a room. He walked inside and he said, okay, son. He said, lay your, lay your burden down. Lay your cross over there. And choose any cross that you want to take and take it back out with you. So he laid his cross down and he looked around the room. He was in there a couple of hours looking for the right cross. And finally he found just the perfect one. It was, it was small. It fit perfectly. He grabbed it and he wouldn't take it out. And Jesus said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, son, that's the cross you came in here. So often we think our burdens are so heavy. But that's only because we're trying to carry them. Today is the day that you put your burden down and say, Jesus, I don't want to carry it anymore. This isn't mine. I can't do this. Jesus, you carry this burden. Please. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start your missions, ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe, maybe you've had a hard time accepting the fact that salvation is free because nothing's free. Well, today let me tell you, salvation is free because the price was paid by somebody else. Now's the time to know Jesus. You know, knowing today, walk this house over the trial and know Jesus, so we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray?